You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. Let's face it, people are different. There are some people who prefer to beat around the bush, but then there's others who like the naked truth. What's your style? When life gets difficult, what do you do? Do you scramble for ways to soften the blow? Have you ever used a phrase that sounds more positive in order to get out of trouble? Think about a breakup. Instead of saying, I'm dumping you, we're faced with other choices. We could choose more diplomatic phrasing, such as, our lives are going in different directions, or I need to focus on my career, or even we just need time. Think of them as options A, B, and C. A is a euphemism, and it's choosing softer phrasing. Option B is an orthophemism, and it's neutral phrasing. And option C is a dysphemism, and it's choosing to be very blunt. Let's play a little game. It's called choose your phrasing. And it's where you think about the options that are sitting right in front of you. Now take a situation where someone is legally drunk. Would you say the person is just a little tipsy or intoxicated or just hammered? If you choose intoxicated, you've decided to go for option B, the orthophemism. It's neutral phrasing that doesn't add much drama or opinion. But maybe you don't like that choice and you choose to call the drunk person hammered. You've made the decision to describe the situation more harshly. This is option C, it's called a dysphemism. And if you choose to call the person tipsy, you've selected option A, which is a euphemism. Euphemisms are mild and less direct. Now, we certainly all use them. We use them when we encounter unpleasant or embarrassing situations. Euphemisms are used to take the sting out of our words. They're used to soften the blow. One negative situation where I would favor using a euphemism is a situation where someone's died. Rather than using a blunt term, like someone croaked or bit the dust, like most people, I have chosen to use a more euphemistic approach, instead using terms like passed on or laid to rest. While selecting a euphemism works well at a funeral, it doesn't seem to work very well in the workplace. I recently heard a friend state that her company was laying off workers. Instead of saying they were fired, they chose to say that they were downsizing or using workforce optimization. Using euphemisms is something we see across many different cultures, actually. Did you know that in Italy, a common breakup phrase translates to give someone the two of spades? And this is used because the two of spades is the weakest of cards. Did you know that in France, a common breakup phrase is to quote unquote, leave someone behind? In Spanish culture, someone turning down unwanted advances might use the phrase that translates to give someone pumpkins which implies to give pumpkins rather than returned affection. And did you know that in Germany, a common breakup phrase translates to give someone the basket? One study I read mentioned how euphemisms are used in Morocco. Instead of saying someone is poor, it is common to use a special Moroccan term indicating that it's not within his means or reach. Instead of using the term abortion, Moroccans would use a phrase that roughly translates to she stopped conceiving. Now, across cultures, we see euphemisms used to soften the impact of a message. And this is precisely why McGlone and Bachelor suggest we use euphemisms. 
They say we use them for two main reasons, to minimize the threats to my face and to minimize the threats to yours. Keep in mind, when we talk about saving face, we're saying it's a strategy to avoid humiliation or embarrassment. In other words, you and I might use them to help save our face or to help save the face of someone else. Certainly, there's a time and place for the use of euphemisms. But is there a time when we should be uttering harsh reality? Are there times when we should be blunt? And have we drifted so far into the lands of euphemisms that we no longer are candid with each other? Well, that depends. Brene Brown suggests that we need to think of the importance of clarity in our conversations and determine if the reason we are being unclear is because we're trying to keep ourselves comfortable. In other words, am I prioritizing my face over yours? Brown says, quote, over the past several years, my team and I have learned something about clarity and the importance of hard conversations. That has changed everything from the way we talk to each other to the way we negotiate with external partners. It's simple but transformative. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind, unquote. In her book, Dare to Lead, Brown says, feeding people half-truths or bullshit to make them feel better, which is almost always about making ourselves feel more comfortable, is unkind. Not getting clear with a colleague about your expectations because it feels too hard, yet holding them accountable or blaming them for not delivering is unkind, unquote. It appears to come down to a few questions. Who are you protecting with your euphemisms? And who aren't you protecting when you use harsh terms? And what do you believe is the best way to treat others in communication? <clears throat> so what is the best way to treat others? I was thinking about the golden rule. Okay. So the golden rule says, you know, treat others how you'd want to be treated. Mm-hmm. But what if they don't want to be treated how you want to be treated? I guess the golden rule is just prioritizing both faces. And so you have to actually decide what you're going to do about that math. Are you going to favor someone else's face and give them what they want to hear? Or are you going to prioritize your own face? I think we probably prioritize our own face more. Oh, for sure. So I have a little game. Uh Uh-oh. So you heard the three different classifications of these terms that linguists have done for years, right? So one of the ones we know is the euphemism, which is being pleasant, A. And then we have the orthophemism, which is the neutral one, B. And the dysphemism is obviously the blunt one. I'm going to give you the topic, and then I want you to tell me what the euphemism and the dysphemism is for each of the topics. Okay, so A, pleasant, B, neutral, C, blunt. Yeah, so I'm going to give you the ortho, and you're going to give me the A and the C. First one is lying. So that's the orthophemism. What's the dysphemism, and what's the euphemism? Call him like a bullshitter. Taylor, I'm not surprised (laughs) that you got that one right off. So I have bullshit, rubbish, it's a whopper. (laughs) I want a burger. <laughs> so what's a euphemism for lying? Um, oh, it's a half truth. No. Um, it's the thing, right? There's an actual. Not the whole truth. <laughs> like, what is that? Not the whole truth. A falsehood, a misrepresentation of facts, an untruth. Hmm. Oh. Okay, here's the next one. We have a okay. prostitute. Okay. Okay, okay so what's the dysphemism? Uh, a hooker, a whore. Okay. Her, li- 
Okay, so let's go euphemism. What's a nicer way to say prostitute? Sex worker. A lady, lady in the streets. Yeah, or lady of the night. Yeah, lady of the night. Lady of the night. You guys are doing great. Working girl. Working girl. Yeah. Oh, working okay. Girl. All right. So here's here's the third one. Defecation. <laughs> okay. So what's the dysphemism? Shit. Okay. Um, poop. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> um. <laughs> you like my games. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, and then what's the the euphemism for defecation? Bowel movement? Mhm. Mm John, going to go meet John. I guess that's the toilet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell she's going to be potty training. <laughs> um, number 2. Number 2. Oh. 2. Number 2. That's right. You got it. So here's what I wanted to say to our international listeners. The podcast reaches at this point around 30 countries. And if you're listening to us, we would love to hear what yours are in your language. We can be reached at hello at afafpodcast.com. That would be awesome. That'd be so funny. You heard some of the cultural examples that I gave, but gosh, I'd love to hear what yours are. If you're thinking of one that you want us to know, reach out to us. Hello at afafpodcast.com. Speaking of cultures i really liked hearing your examples I, ha I haven't had a chance yet but i wanted to ask my family in italy about the two of spades i know i'm gonna i'm gonna ask them i'm curious i feel like i want to give a lot of people the two of spades <laughs> just in general just as a strategy <laughs> some of them seem polite though someone's poor it's not within their reach the moroccan phrase like sometimes i can see why beating around the bush can be a little bit more gentle mm -hmm. in some instances. Generally speaking, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. The beating around the bush at all. It actually made me think of the stories, so the stories we create mm -hmm. where there was like ownership over your story. Yeah. When I think of how somebody died, I feel like that's sometimes not my business. It's someone else's business. So I'll say, you know, mm -hmm. they passed away and I don't mm -hmm. explain it. So we might use a euphemism, give someone an opportunity to get off the hook for the uncomfortable or uncertainty moment that could be appearing. I think if you'd know your audience, like I'd beat around the bush with people I'm not that close to because I don't feel like I want to tell them everything. Yeah, so we strategically do you it. Know? I thought the death example really was different than the other categories because I feel like we really are, when we're using a euphemism, looking out for our receiver of the message and trying to make mm -hmm. it not as brutal as it could have been. Mm -hmm. It kind of seems like we're talking about two different things, though, because sometimes you use a euphemism to soften the words that you're using. Saying someone passed away doesn't change the reality that they did die versus not giving a full picture, like saying the half truth. That's not saying the whole story. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in the death context, I agree with you that we are doing other things communicatively to try to help the situation that's terrible be less terrible. Mm -hmm. When we, we get into what Brene Brown was saying, I think we get into her saying there's too much of this going on where people aren't actually getting into the candid area and that seems like that's hurting us. Yeah, like I thought about the laid off versus fire. Mm -hmm. Those terms have different definitions. Yeah. So when you use them inappropriately, then you're probably doing it just to save your face. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gives a different picture in your mind. Laid off versus fired is a whole different picture for me. It's who you're keeping comfortable, essentially. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of corporations and executives in corporations that want to stay very comfortable. 
Yeah. Did you hear the workplace optimization? <laughs> yeah. Smart sizing. Instead of downsizing. Smart sizing. We're going to be smart sizing, which sort of implies I'm not smart. I was going to say, does that mean you're stupid? Yeah, that sounds worse. So it's like you're smart sizing. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had this one class that I taught. I think maybe both of you were in. I don't know. And we did our resumes in this class. One of the dilemmas that you have as a teacher when you're doing resumes is you hate to put so much ink on the page when you're giving feedback that people feel discouraged like it's the worst resume they've ever seen. But on the other hand, you don't want to put nothing on the page because that's not fair to the person because they might leave your classroom believing that they have a great resume or Vita when they don't have that. So you have kind of this interesting pull and push between being very nice about what you're saying and very blunt or forthcoming with what you're saying. To balance that, I used to do all the resumes and really write a lot of corrections on them such that it was mostly unrecognizable with the intention of helping people actually get a job after they exited the classroom, right? So, <laughs> I mean, that's the goal, but you don't want to hurt people's feelings. So what I would do to temper that is I would stand distantly in front of the class and cover up the names and show examples of resumes showing that all of them look like this because that helped people get over the fact that theirs was absolutely marked up right and so mm -hmm. i would show that and say so just everyone needs to know the the amount of ink i put on your page is how much i love you <laughs> so if you have a lot mm -hmm. of ink you should be very happy that you have that much feedback because it does take time to do that i was concerned that someone might open up just theirs and think oh my gosh this is a, i have the worst resume in the class which was not the case they were all bad so <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a little reframing. <laughs> yeah, right. Just a little reframing. That's interesting. I, and I remember doing that in your class. There are some things that I really don't want to be beating around the bush if it's going to make me a better person or better to people around me, right? Resume, like that wouldn't even have crossed my mind. I was like, oh, great. I want to get a job. In my mind, the way I want people to beat around the bush with me and things like employment, resumes, like don't beat around the bush. Tell me, make me better. But then something like death, passed away, died same result. Like, you know what, what happened. But I want people to be gentle with the way that they talk about mm -hmm, something yeah. like that. I don't know. When we started this, I was like, I do not like beating around the bush. I want it always direct. I want you to give it to me like the way it is. But I'm starting to realize there's some ways where beating around the bush is actually being gentle to another person, mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay. So it's like this balancing act then. When I was thinking about the orthophemism category, that is the balanced, candid middle don't give it so soft that I don't know what it is. Right. But I do think there's people that favor one end of the spectrum. I can think of one friend that I have that would be always euphemistic. Mm. So if we had a doctor's appointment, it's because we have a little issue. Mm. And if we had a conflict, we have a, just an opportunity to talk. And if we got a ticket from a police officer for speeding, it was just we had a slight interruption. Oh, wow. So everything is euphemistic for this person. And I don't know if you have friends like that or friends the opposite way. Hmm. Taylor's my C, blunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Meredith, on your job, do you believe you're in one part of the spectrum? And I'll Taylor, the same question for you in a second. In my job, especially if people are having issues and they have to go before a court, I try to be as blunt as I possibly can because it's not my life I'm dealing with, it's theirs. I want to be as forward as I can with somebody when it's or has the possibility of affecting them and their life and, and things that will happen in their future. 
So consequences. Yeah. Otherwise, they're walking into a very serious interaction and very unprepared. I want them to feel prepared that they know the cards that are going to be on the table and the options that are before them. Doesn't mean I have the answer. I'm not their judge, but Mm -hmm. in my job, I feel like some people get nervous about that. It's a hard, that's a really hard balance. So it sounds like your motivation though is entirely for their benefit. And what I'm hearing you say is you select harsher terms because that will be the most beneficial to people that are maybe unrealistic about the consequences or uninformed or unprepared. Yeah, it's totally different than your personal Mm -hmm. life, I think, for me professionally, because even like what Brené Brown was saying, right, is that it's your comfort over whatever it is for them. It's really uncomfortable a lot of times for me to have those conversations, but it's not about me. Right. So what about you, Taylor? Do you favor one end of the spectrum or are there times when you favor either side? I think definitely I would use the euphemism in customer service. We're definitely trying to leave them with a pleasant experience and all the words I'm going to use. I would say maybe I'll do the second neutral but direct when it comes to something safety related and I need you to do something because there are consequences when you don't. I keep a smile on my face and I try to keep one on your face as well. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm just thinking about in my workplace, one of the things that doesn't happen very often is plagiarism. Mm -hmm. Somebody steals material and puts it as their own, like in writing. Mm -hmm. And we might catch someone through a Turnitin process or program. We might see it matching material. Then that means that we are going to have a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're making me think of that with safety, that we have to become pretty specific about what we're talking about. And I find that I'm probably down the middle on the orthophemism. I'm not necessarily going to say you're a cheater, you know, or like something that name calling spectrum, but to say, here's the, the amount of matching material. Here's the standard for determining what's not considered original. Yours isn't considered original. <laughs> Scary words. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just glad I don't have to be called in your office. <laughs> hey, I don't like having those conversations, just like you said. Yeah. Earlier in the intro, you were discussing that Is there a time to utter harsh realities? How do we learn when there's a time and a place for this and not? I think we are drifting into the answer a minute ago, which is when consequences will be high if we aren't that way. Hmm. You said that regarding other consequences for your clients. And that's the same with my students who plagiarize, who might get kicked out of college for that. Mm. There's a point where you say, it's going to be unkind if I act like this isn't a really big situation. So I have to be kind by giving you the actual reality of this situation. Some of you know who are listening that I serve as a mediator in civil harassment cases. And one of the things that I have to do is to say difficult things that people don't like to hear in those mediations. Mm -hmm. They don't like it, but I'm aware that if I help hide the truth or if I help hide what facts need to be revealed, then I'm an accessory to making the conflict more complicated. If the consequences are high, do we have to drift to the clearer side of the spectrum in order to help people be aware of those consequences? Because I have people that say, hey, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to go to trial. The judge will believe every word I say. And so I have to help them understand even the consequences potentially of what will happen if they do have a ruling against them. And in civil harassment, it might be a restraining order. And what would be the consequences for that? There's specific ones in the United States that come with that particular classification. Describe those, but I would say I'm very much down the middle as a mediator 
but sometimes tending even to more harsher reality just to get people to pay attention. So what about you guys? What do you think is what should we be doing in this category? This is one where instead of trading comfort for growth for ourselves, it's almost a lesson in trading comfort for growth for the other, like trading your own comfort. Nice. Because it's really uncomfortable to say things that are painful or like the breakup, for example. I can look back at my younger self early on in breakup saying very pleasant things that wasn't really maybe how I felt. It was just too hard, you know, to say like, look, my life's going another direction and it's not with you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Took me to go through a marriage and then that ended. That's the way to say it. That's the Uh, middle. Yeah. To realize that breakups aren't this acceptance or rejection thing, but it's just continuing to navigate and move forward and free that person to go somewhere else. It was almost like reframing that process that helped me be more direct. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I've been thinking about a lot with the subject is that was a first lesson for me and knowing that I had to get uncomfortable to allow someone else to go grow elsewhere. Hmm. Giving growth. Yeah. Well, it's not, maybe it's not even comfortable, but just trading what's comfortable for me and being a little pleasant in some situations or soft for their growth. Yeah. For their, for their opportunity to grow. Exactly. That's exactly what I was learning last week. I've been told a lot of times, like pick your battles. Yeah, you can. But what that does then is it, doesn't allow the other person to like learn or grow or take responsibility for their actions. Giving the other person the opportunity to know that you've been heard, you don't have those difficult conversations, you really limit their possibilities of taking responsibility and growing. Hmm. Which is a whole nother element. Yeah, my overthinking brain is already wondering who isn't telling me that about myself. (laughs) Like what friend out there isn't telling me the things I need to grow in? Like, honestly, I think we all are. And it's more comfortable to just sit back and say like, well, we'll see if it comes up or we'll see if this keeps happening, then maybe I'll address it later. It is difficult to have those conversations and be vulnerable and then allow them the opportunity to grow and take responsibility. One thing Brene Brown says is that honesty is the best policy, but not if it's motivated by shame, anger, fear, or hurt. That's not honesty. I like that distinction of saying, why are you doing that thing? Or why aren't you doing that thing? So what I hear you saying, Taylor, is I'm not telling you this truth because I want to maybe stay comfortable. But if I had been honest with you, then you could have known that and perhaps done something productive with it. That's an interesting thing to understand the why behind it. Sounds like the answer for what you asked earlier, which is what is the best way to treat others? Is to examine that in yourself. Is this because I want them to hurt like me Mm -hmm. or I want them to feel bad about themselves or to examine that in yourself first, then if it's just uncomfortable for you, you got to trade that so that they can have the information. That's really good. It's like a really categorized and overthought golden rule, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) The idea is I have to check the why, because if I'm doing it to hurt you, or I'm doing it because I feel shameful about myself or my behavior or whatever it is, or I have fear, fear is a big one, but I'm afraid about a lot of things. 
So I do it a certain way out of my fear. Then I haven't vetted the, the term yet. I haven't done any vetting. And so as soon as I vet that and check myself, then I think we do the second part, like you're saying, Meredith, which is then select the term that suits the situation and the person the best. So beating around the bush or not is a lot about your own self-reflection and knowing yourself. As is a lot of communication. <laughs> I like that even the picture that we started with of the naked truth and naked being naked is like a vulnerable state. Mm, yeah, but it's not a fearful state. Thinking about what's coming up in that moment. And I mean, I think when we have these shame stories or anger or fear or whatever it is that is playing a role, we have to be very careful about letting it play a role when, when we select the term. Because right, the first thing is understanding the role it plays. Second is, does that fear get to pick the term I'm going to use when I'm going to talk to somebody? And that's scary to let fear pick it. Ooh, can you say that again? A lot of times I think about in communication, I'll think about the notion of who's talking to me. Sometimes you and I have experienced a situation where we're talking with someone and we hear the, the woundedness is talking to me, <laughs> not the person anymore. I'm getting the, the injury from whatever happened or I'm getting the things about the, the woundedness that they have. This is an example where it's like in the reverse where you say, okay, so I'm going to first stop and say, is fear, anger, shame, any of these things playing a role here? Hmm. And if it is, I'm not going to let fear or anger pick the term I use. Hmm. If I let anger pick the term, I'm going to say your dad bit the dust. Hmm. I'm going to say your dad's six feet under because that's what anger would pick. I like what she's saying. Be careful about this honesty idea giving us permission to use these shame stories or different bad motivations to select those terms. Mm -hmm. And what both of you said is essentially we wouldn't allow that, but we have to, what you just said is we have to know each other well enough or know ourselves well enough to understand our tendency to do that. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we've all done where we've been in a state of anger or a state of fear and thought to ourselves, I'm not going to get on my phone and text somebody right now. And I'm not going to say what's on my mind right now because I might not say what's a good thing right now. Hmm. Yeah. I can think of like where I've just been mad and said something a little short or maybe cutting Oh, and it yes. was totally true, but I just, the way I said it wasn't, yeah, wasn't right. I think that's like good practice with all of our decisions in life that we wouldn't let fear, anger, those negative emotions be the ruler of any mm -hmm. decisions we make. If I have a shame story that is that I feel that I don't belong all the time, some people have that mm -hmm. as a shame story. I'm not good enough to be like a friend you call or good enough to be person you go out with or whatever. They might use mm -hmm. certain terms in order to shore up their shame story, which is I'm being left out. Or they might do the other end of the spectrum and be very harsh to show you that, see how you leave me out. I use these harsh terms and you don't give me nice, anything nice in return. So therefore mm. I'm an outcast. I'm just confirming what I think you believe about me. Oh, wow. Interesting. But the selection is, is I think an interesting question because that's what this really is about this podcast today, which is what terms are you picking and why, and who are you protecting and who are you not protecting? That's my takeaway. <laughs> 
all of it. Which just all the lessons, the whole podcast <laughs> just is your the whole thing. Just, it's all good. <laughs> Knowing where you're coming from. Hmm. Where's my head right now? Like, what am I thinking about this? And before it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Think before you speak. What? Oh, no. Is that where we arrived? <laughs> I'll jump on that one. I'll have that be my TC4G. What you doing? I'm leaning towards what's the best way to treat others and then reevaluating what my motivator is than when I say things to people. Well, so I guess my TC4G is trying to hear what other people want for for them and even if it is in battle with maybe something I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that, Taylor. It's a good reminder that it all comes down to context. And as we evaluate the context, then it comes down to selecting soft, neutral, and blunt phrasing strategically. It comes down to thinking before we speak. Starting this week, we are moving to our summer schedule. Our podcast episodes will now be published every other week instead of every week. We will also be adding some live episodes to our schedule. So be sure to stay updated and follow our Instagram, which is afaf.podcast, or signing up for our mailing list, and you can be added to that by emailing us at hello at afafpodcast.com. Please join us again in two weeks, and thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.